Hey there, welcome back to the Everyday Style School podcast where we believe style can be easy and getting dressed should be fun. I'm your host, Jennifer Mackey Mary, and in today's episode, we're talking about ways to look your best that have nothing to do with knowing your body type. I've talked before about how knowing your body shape is important, but it's not the only factor in looking good. I promised you in a recent Office Hours episode that I would share my favorite return abuse story, and that is coming up in Lessons from Linda. In vocabulary, we're talking about the difference between chinos, khakis, and twill pants. And while this was supposed to be a philosophy episode, I feel like there's some pretty important current events going on, so we're going to do a little bit of both. Before we get started, your homework from the last episode was to head to your closet and using the tips you learned or were reminded of, look for the high quality or the low quality pieces that are already hanging in there. Using what you already have, look for the markers of quality. This exercise will help you identify those quality markers and construction much more easily when you are out shopping. And if you haven't done it yet, there's always time and I'd love to hear how it went for you in this style lounge. All right, let's kick things off, as we always do, with lessons from Linda. Today's Linda was a woman who used to shop in the store where I worked, and she has stuck in my head for 20 years. It's actually really hard to call her Linda and not use her full name because it is still burned into my brain, but I will do my best, and we will edit out if I actually use identifying information. I should say that this Linda is actually, she was a very nice person, very, very nice. She was always pleasant to work with and had circumstances had been different. She would have been a favorite client of mine, except for one thing. Linda was a returnaholic. I'm not talking buy a few things, try them on at home and bring back what doesn't work. I'm talking hang out in the store for hours, monopolize a sales associate's time, usually mine, spend $800 to $1,000 or more in one trip. There were a couple of $2,000 shopping sprees and then return it all, every piece of it a few days later. Often she would have her husband do the returns or she would return it all to another store in the area. Like we all weren't aware of the situation. And I should say she did this at every store in our immediate area. So everyone was dealing with this Linda and we would all take returns from another store. Um, This was long before the days of tracking returns for the purpose of taking away a customer's return rights. And our company didn't want to lose even one customer. I think things are different now. And these days she'd probably been banned. Who knows? Maybe she has been. It's been a very long time. But back then, we were all at the mercy of Linda. She would come in and act like we hadn't just had a marathon shopping session two weeks earlier with exactly the same merchandise. It was a game that we all played, I guess, because we couldn't call her out on it. But she needed a ton of reassurance about everything. She'd ask everyone who was working, do you like this on me? Is this flattering? Is this my color? Does this make me look big? She needed all of us to tell her how nice she looked. What a great color for you. No, you're not big at all. That was a really important part of Linda's ritual. My boss and I actually went to lunch one day and we went through her purchase and return records. She had purchased and returned the same belt, the exact same belt over 20 times. So when she was there and would say, Jennifer, is this belt flattering? It took every ounce of control not to say, Linda, obviously you think it's flattering because you've bought that belt 23 times. 
Or Linda, maybe you don't think it's flattering because you've returned that belt 23 times. It was insane. Now, the less funny part was that sometimes Linda's husband would come with her and his energy was just awful. It was so bad. He was so mean to her and so rude to us. And on these visits, she needed even more reassurance and encouragement. It was almost like she needed us to tell him how beautiful she was. Seriously, this whole thing was just incredibly messed up. And when he was there, this tension would just hang in the air. We could all feel it. The only upside to their joint visits is that they were shorter. When Linda was on her own, she was there for hours. She would be there for half a day. She literally asked everyone who was working and everyone who was shopping in the store at that time for reassurance that she looked nice. People would tell her how good she looked and she'd say, oh, I I don't know. Maybe this isn't that flattering. And people would say, well, what are you talking about? You look amazing. Well, you don't think this makes my butt look big? No, I wish I had your butt. And so on and so on it went until she left with an armload of clothes that came back over and over so she could go through the whole process again and again, pretty much on a weekly basis, if not every two weeks. This Linda story does not end with me saying, look, Linda, we keep playing this game and what you're trying to achieve can't be achieved with clothes or compliments from strangers. And Linda tearing up saying, oh, thank you, Jennifer. I really should seek professional help. No, it ends with me getting a new job and never seeing Linda again. And I don't know how it turned out, but I'm guessing that Linda is um, not in a better mental space when it comes to shopping and clothes. But there's really just one takeaway that I want you to learn from my time with Linda. Here it is. The only hole in your life that shopping will fix is the actual physical wardrobe holes. If you need jeans, shopping can fix that problem. If you need a cardigan, shopping can solve that. What shopping can't solve or buying things can't solve is literally anything else. Shopping isn't a hobby. And the act of buying things might make you feel better for a minute, but it doesn't last. Linda was clearly dealing with some tough stuff in her marriage. That was obvious to everyone. She was struggling with her self-esteem and buying clothes made her feel good, as did hearing she looked nice from people who were basically paid to tell her she looked nice. The whole thing was a sham and a belt, no matter how good it looked on her, was never going to fix what was actually wrong. Stay out of the stores when you're sad. Stay out of the stores when you are bored or upset or frustrated. When you buy things in a state of mind like that, you're trying to fill a hole that can't be filled by things. Clothes and shopping and even compliments from strangers are no substitute for feeling good about yourself. Okay, let's move on to our word or words of the week. Today, we're talking about chinos and khakis and twill pants. Oh my. I am a big believer that an easy way to make your wardrobe more interesting is to break out of the black pants and jeans rut. You know what I'm talking about? The only thing you put on your bottom half is black pants or jeans. Put some different bottoms on your bottom. You will see your style just get a huge boost right away. In the spring and fall, I'm a big fan of chinos. They're often in my capsules in those two seasons, and I always get questions about them. From what are chinos to how are these different from khakis? So I thought we would discuss these three things today. Also, for you husbands who are listening, this one might actually apply to you. So here goes. One important thing to remember is that while I'm giving you the accurate 
technical differences. Retailers don't always follow the rules and these things become kind of interchangeable, but at least you'll know what the differences are supposed to be. And if you need visuals, head over to youreverydaystyle.com forward slash episode 41 for links and examples. Let's talk about twill pants first and get that one out of the way. Often when we hear twill, we think of khaki pants or pants of that fabric, you know, kind of like Dockers pants. But really, twill is just a pattern of weaving. It's a construction term. Twill fabric means that the threads are woven together to create a diagonal pattern. Chinos are twill. Khakis are twill. Even jeans are twill. If you look on the inside of the jean, of your jeans where it's easier to see, you'll see that the fabric is made up of diagonal lines. So having something labeled twill pants is actually pretty unhelpful unless you're really into diagonal weaving, in which case that's a great word to search for. Okay, so now that we've gotten that one out of the way, let's discuss chinos versus khakis, keeping in mind this is the accurate technical definition. When it comes to material, chino fabric is lighter weight and softer than khaki. It also has a tighter weave, which makes it smoother. Khaki fabric is thicker, more durable, and a little rougher. It often has a brushed or a sandwashed appearance. Now, when it comes to construction, actual khakis have visible seams and stitching on the outside. And chinos have all stitching on the inside, so you don't actually see any stitching. This makes chinos dressier than khakis and more suitable for dress casual wear. This also makes me think that Jake from State Farm Commercial is really wearing chinos and not khakis, like he says, but it's funnier to say khakis, so we'll just let it slide. Also, when it comes to men's pants, chinos are cut narrower than traditional khakis, and they're never pleated. Chinos are always flat front. Basically, chinos are a style of pants and a fabric, and khakis are a style of pants and a fabric. However, neither one technically means tan pants because chino and khaki can be dyed a variety of colors, with chinos traditionally being available in a wider range of shades. The fabric just takes the dye easier. With all that said, though, stores care nothing about these definitions, and they just call their products whatever they want. One site I was looking at had a skirt and a pair of pants available in the exact same fabric, and the pants were called khakis, and the skirt was labeled a chino skirt. Gentlemen, you can find pleated chinos and khakis that are suitable for work without the vis visible stitching. I found a pair of tan khakis on one site, and the color was labeled chino. One website had a definition of khakis versus chino, and then I went to look at their pants, and none of their products followed their own rules at all. Basically, khakis and chinos are now any color of any style pant or skirt that is made from a cotton twill fabric that you would probably most closely identify with dockers. So if you're like, I have no idea what she's talking about, think of like men's dockers pants. That's the best definition of or example of what we're talking about here. So why share this definition with you at all if it basically means nothing? Well, first, to remind you that website labels often mean nothing. You can look at them for clues or for a starting point when you're searching, but you have to look at the actual garment and read the label, the, the description, to figure out what it is you're actually looking at. 
visible stitching around the pockets. Okay, maybe they call that a chino, but that's actually a khaki quality and it means that the item is more casual. Also, for guys, there's some actual variation between chinos and khakis, which some stores honor, some stores don't. But for women, it's totally a moot point since we're just naming things willy-nilly. So don't stress over it too much. Just look at the pant or the skirt. Does it look like what you're looking for? Yes, then don't worry about what it's called. But now you're a more informed consumer, and that's my goal. Okay, let's move on to current events and philosophy. Well, this is a weird world we live in now, huh? Do you remember a few episodes ago when we talked about the coronavirus in China? It was affecting the supply chain. And I said, you know what? We're just going to have to wait and see what effects it has on the retail industry in America. Yeah, as it turns out, it had a pretty major effect on every industry in America. And you are probably listening to this at home wearing sweats because why get dressed? Am I right? I'll get to that part in a minute. For current events, I have a list about stores that are closed and layoffs and how much companies stand to lose this quarter. But I'll be honest with you, I don't know that you all need factual doom and gloom today. I know that I don't. Let's just say this. Coronavirus has affected every life and every facet of our lives and every every part of the retail industry. But I know that we are going to get through this. And right now we just need to stay safe, stay positive, stay sane. And remember that sometimes the only thing we can control is how we react to things. Speaking of which, I want to share with you why it's important to get dressed each day, even if you're not going anywhere, especially since you're not going anywhere. And really, there's only one reason. It's for you. It's for your psyche and your mental health and to help you feel like a normal person. I say this all the time that there is a huge mindset shift that happens when you get dressed with intention. And right now when our days are looking a whole lot the same, you know, who cares if it's a weekend or a weekday, we need that mindset shift just to say, okay, my day can start. There's a little bit of a routine here. And if you are not used to working from home and you find yourself in that position all of a sudden, getting dressed will help you be more productive and will help you get things done all day and stay on track. It might be tempting to ride this out playing the whole, when was the last time I showered game? But trust me, that is a slippery slope that doesn't lead to good things. And again, when I say getting dressed, it doesn't mean dressing up. No one expects you to be in dress pants or a blazer and heels. When I say getting dressed, I mean putting on clothes that make you feel good and make you feel put together, even if they're casual. You know, when I realized that this wasn't going to be a stay at home for a weekend kind of thing, I ordered a few pieces of just cute, comfortable athleisure wear, which I justified by saying it's how I'm doing my part to keep the economy going and keep retail alive. But these things are cute and they're fun. They make me feel good. And that's just one way that I'm, I'm trying to stay sane and positive. And I know that feeling put together will help you do the same. Stylish women have stylish loungewear and stay-at-home clothes too. So let this be an opportunity to work on that aspect of your wardrobe, especially if this is a place that you've neglected. So just to recap, current events, coronavirus pretty much canceled life for the foreseeable future. Philosophy, there's a lot you can't control right now, and I know it's easy to get in a funk. Trust me, I've been there a couple of days. But one good way to keep your spirits up is to get dressed every day in a way that makes you happy. 
if you can, if you have the means, take advantage of all the sales that are going on right now and treat yourself to something comfortable, cute, and fun. You will be glad you did. Okay, when we come back, we're talking about five ways to look your best that don't require knowing your body type. I know that so many of you are stuck at home, bored out of your minds, ignoring the to-do list you made of all the projects you should be doing, but it's time to stop that and get to work. Let's use this time together to tackle that closet you've been saying you're going to clean out forever. On Monday, we started a closet editing challenge in the Everyday Style Lounge, and I'm going live every day to give you a little task that will get you closer to the organized wardrobe you've always wanted. Together, we're going to cut the clutter, get rid of what's not working, and put it all back together in a way that makes you glad you were stuck at home. Okay, maybe I won't take it that far, but it will help you use this unprecedented downtime wisely. But wait, there's more. My friend Melissa Klug, the Mari organizing guru you met on this show, is joining me for the challenge. Each morning, I'm giving you a closet task for the day, and each afternoon, she's helping you tackle one tiny part of your house. It's two experts for the price of one, and the price is free. So get your butt into the Everyday Style Lounge and join us for the Closet Edit Challenge. The link is in the show notes, or you can just search Everyday Style Lounge on Facebook. There's still time to catch up, and we're going for two full weeks, so don't miss out. And now, back to the show. Okay, so today we're talking about ways to look your best without knowing your body type. When I recorded the body shape episodes, I told you that I was really kind of over talking about body shapes, and I wanted women to understand that knowing how to dress your shape is an important foundation to dressing well, but it isn't the end-all be-all. However, to this day, when I ask women what their biggest style challenge is, Overwhelmingly, it has something to do with not being able to find clothes for their shape or not knowing how to dress their shape or not even knowing what their shape is. Rarely do women post in either of my groups saying, does this fit right? How are these colors on me? Do these shoes make my outfit look frumpy? Nope. It's often body type, body type, body type. And again, I understand that figuring out and dressing your body shape is a big factor. I really do. I built a whole business on it but it doesn't end there. So with that said, here are five things to focus on that don't even require knowing which body type you are. Number one, lines, L-I-N-E-S, lines. Pay attention to where lines fall on your body. I'm talking about lines on fabric, like stripes, yes, but also hems on pants, skirts, jackets, and tops. I'm talking about belts. They create a line. I'm talking about seams. They create a line too. I'm talking about the lines created by breaks in color through your outfit. Look at those lines. Now, write this down or commit it to memory. Never put a horizontal line across the widest part of anything unless you want to emphasize it. All right. Never put a horizontal line across the widest part of anything unless you want to draw more attention to it. This is absolutely tied to your body shape and body shape advice. Yes. But you don't need to know if you're a rectangle or an apple to know that if you don't want to emphasize your midsection, you shouldn't tuck in your top and wear a belt. That creates a line right across your widest part. 
You don't need to know if you're an hourglass or a pear to know that if you wear pants that stop at the widest part of your calf, your calves are going to look bigger because it creates a line there. Look for the places on your body you don't want to emphasize and then make sure that no line hits that spot. Then look for spots on your body that you would like to lengthen and put vertical lines there. Again, we're talking lines in fabric and seams. Even open jackets and cardigans create vertical lines. Use the lines in your clothes to tell people where to look. Do you want them to look up and down? Is there an area that you want them to look right to left? That's what lines do. They draw our eyes across or up and down. So use your lines wisely. Number two, Colors. As much as I hate to admit it, colors play a huge role in looking your best. I say I don't want to admit it because objectively, black is terrible on me and I love me some black clothing. I love it. But if I want to look my best, black isn't going to do it. It's going to make me look washed out and drab and older, whereas light peach, which is a color I don't want to love, is going to make me look lighter, brighter, more awake, and younger. And while I'll never completely break up with black, I can see the difference when I wear colors that suit me better, and I'm working to put more of those into my wardrobe. I know a lot of women struggle to find their best colors, and so much of the information online is difficult and confusing and doesn't seem to fit. If you're an all-access member, there is a masterclass on finding your best colors that doesn't involve knowing your undertone or looking at your veins, which is so confusing. It makes it super easy to find the colors that help you look your best. And if you are not an all-access member, I still have some advice for you. You can hit your closet and do some trial and error. Take off your makeup. This is important. Take off your makeup. Find a room with as much natural light as possible and take pictures of yourself wearing different colors. Compare yourself in black versus brown. Compare yourself in light brown versus dark brown or tan versus brown or gray versus black to find, do you look better in warmer colors? Do you look better in lighter colors? Then Take a look at those pictures and discover which colors make your eyes and skin look clearer and brighter and bring out your favorite features versus which colors make you look tired and bring out things you don't want to highlight like wrinkles or dark circles under your eyes. See if you can at least start to identify three to four colors that look better on you than others just as a start. Okay, number three is fit. Obsessing about finding the right silhouettes for your body is kind of pointless if you don't buy them in the right sizes. I'm not going to cover fit in depth right now, but if you don't know how your clothes are supposed to fit, go back and listen to my episodes on the basics of proper fit. I will link to that one in the show notes. I've heard countless times from women who didn't know how their clothes were supposed to fit. And they tell me they spent years in clothes that were too big. But once they get it, once they saw it, they can't unsee it. It just clicks. Fit makes such a huge difference in your style and in the way you feel about yourself that it's worth getting really, really good at this one. Okay, number four, proportion. I'm going to let you in on a little insider secret. The most important factor in looking good in your clothes is understanding proportion. It's what fashion design is all about. It's what dressing your body shape is all about. It's why some outfits work and some outfits don't. If you want to get good at dressing yourself, begin to study and understand proportion. 
Your horizontal body shape, which is what we call apple, pear, etc., those are examples of proportions, but so is your vertical body shape, which is the length of your legs in relation to your torso. When it comes to proportion in outfits, we're talking both volume, or how flowy things are, and the length of pieces. A common example of outfit proportion is long over lean, or the leggings and a tunic thing we were all wearing for years. I've talked about this before, but you see the length of tops changing as the fit of pants changes trend-wise. Pants are getting wider and tops are getting shorter. Why? Proportion. Your tunic tops don't look right with your wide leg pants. Why? Proportion. Become a student of your own proportions and also of your outfit proportions. Look in the mirror and decide which areas of your body are larger in comparison to others. That's the important thing. Nothing is big or small by itself in proportion. You have to compare it to other things. Figure out your vertical proportions too. Then play around with outfit proportions. Try a voluminous skirt with different tops of different volumes and lengths. Try skinny pants with the same thing. Discover the outfit proportions you like best on your body and turn those into outfit formulas to make getting dressed and shopping easier. Finally, Number five is to know your personal bests. Every woman should know her best neckline, her best dress shape, her best hemlines for both tops and bottoms, and a few other things. I don't need to know that I'm an apple to know that I feel best in a knee-length shift dress with a bateau neckline and three-quarter length raglan sleeves. How do I know these things? Frankly, years of trial and error and paying attention to how I feel in clothes. I tried a midi skirt last season and I felt frumpy the entire time I was wearing it. I learned the neckline thing from looking at all the tops I felt great in and noticing a common theme. Every single time I don't like what I'm wearing, I look at why and I learn new things to help me refine what I buy all the time. I wish I could do a podcast to help you discover your best neckline, your best dress shape, but so much of this information I've given the principles for already, and now you've just got to take it and run with it and practice, practice, practice. A lot of it you can do in your own closet. Put on tops with different necklines, trying to keep all the other factors similar, like all sweaters or all tees or all solid colors, and then take pictures. What do you like best on you? Do V-necks make your neck look longer? Do crew necks make your shoulders look a little bit broader? What is best for you? Do the same thing for skirt length. I always say that every woman has a sweet spot for where her cropped pants and skirt should end on her leg. And the only way to find it on your body is trial and error and comparison. Put on a skirt, take a picture, and then pull it up a few inches, take another picture, pull it down a few inches, take another picture. It's kind of the style equivalent of an eye test better or worse, better or worse. Finding your personal best makes it so much easier to shop and make good decisions in the fitting room. These five things are worth taking the time to understand. What you'll probably realize is that you don't need to know your body shape at all, because once you get these things down, looking your best is effortless. Your homework this week is to pick just one of these five things to focus on for the next week. Just one. Find a few colors that are better on you than others. Discover your best neckline or hemline. As we do the challenge next week, focus on the fit because we're going to be trying on things in your closet and getting rid of things. Get good at one and then move on to the next. I would love to hear your experiences with this one in the Style Lounge. 
That's it, everybody. I will see you Monday with office hours, and then we'll be back in a couple of weeks with the next full episode. We're going to be talking about everyone's favorite topic, laundry. Yes, I know it's not fun or sexy, but if you're buying clothes you love that you want to last, you'd better get good at taking care of them. Also, come join us for the last week of the Closet Edit Challenge. The link is in the show notes, and I will see you next week. Bye-bye. Class is dismissed for today, but the conversation doesn't have to end here. Head over to youreverydaystyle.com for show notes, freebies, and a link to join my free Facebook community, The Everyday Style Lounge. And if The Everyday Style School podcast is helping you love getting dressed again, it would make my day if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and share it with your friends so women everywhere can have more fun with style. Thanks, style sister. I'll see you next time. And until then, stay stylish.